0: Everyone is voting for Jack, cause he's got what all the rest
1: lack. Everyone wants to back Jack, Jack is on the right track cause he's got...
2: Hey guys, welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm glad you are back. If you are listening for the first time, I'm glad you have decided to listen. I think this is a really interesting one, and I'm excited for it. I've got a guest today, the one, the only, my wonderful husband Jeff is back.
3: What a pleasure.
2: (laughs) It was hard to get him to pencil this in with me in the bonus room, but he did. And I'm glad to have him because this one is Chapaquiddick. It's going to be Chapaquiddick.
3: Yeah. Was
2: that a joke? (laughs) Kind of. I don't know. How's it funny?
3: (laughs) It's not. It's a very serious topic. Okay. I don't understand where he was going with that. And if you do, okay. Uh, Anyway. So. This
2: is actually the anniversary week of Chappaquiddick, Jeffrey. Did you know that?
3: I did not know that. If
2: you think about it, it would have been 69, so that's 30 plus 20. So that is, this is the 51st anniversary of Chappaquiddick. This week on the 18th and 19th.
3: You should have done this podcast a year ago on the 50th anniversary. you know
2: what? Hindsight. Um, (laughs) But I'm doing it this year, and I just got done researching pretty much all day. All the facts, all the details, and y'all, mind blown. I mean, I've always known the story, the very topical, like, overview of Chappaquiddick. Didn't really know too in-depth about it. I don't know why. I've never read really into it, but I never have. And so this time I did, and wow, 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 wow. Um, So I'm just going to get started. I've got lots of notes, like... Almost the notes where you can't even distinguish what you're supposed to be pointing out because they're all running together. So I'm going to try my best not to refer to said jumbled notes. Um, I'm going to tell the story, and then if there is a date or something, I might have to stop and look, and it might be a little not too clean of a transition. But Looking
3: across the room here, your sheets look like those note cards you would get before you did like a test, and they'd say fill it out with every piece of yes. information you can fit on here, and you're like writing super
2: tiny. Jeffrey knows yeah. that because I used to, um, in college on the very rare occasion that they would make it open book is what he's talking about. I would get, I also little, went to school Yeah, as, not, at some point in my life. Yeah, but you didn't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, you get like the little four by six note cards and they'd be like, you can fill it out. And I didn't would think like, Oh, I don't need to study. And I would literally just write so incredibly tiny that I'd get into the test and not know exactly like where or what to even answer and then i ended up failing <laughs> it was great oh. but c's get degrees guys it all worked out it's true um okay i'm gonna get started no one cares about any of this so let's get on to the topic topic <laughs> i need some music or something know, we need like for a transition topic pew pew where, where. i know i'm trying to think if there's Well, that's the second time we've gone yeah we need a buzzer yeah.
3: we need yeah we need one of those I listen to a bunch of podcasts. They have like a little soundboard and they insert like sounds live.
2: I'm sure you could find something in our attic to do that. Probably so. Probably. All the gadgets. So. The date is July 18th, 1969. Okay. At this exact time in American history, Mm -hmm. the first men are about to land on the moon and walk.
3: We landed on the moon.
2: If you believe that, I'm just <laughs> yes, we did. So, JFK obviously said in 1961 that within the decade, we would land a man on the moon, correct? Yes. So, fast forward, 1969, it is within the decade, and the first men set out to land on the moon on the 16th of July. So, on the 18th of July, Ted Kennedy and his cousin, Joseph Gargan, are competing in a uh, Egertown Yacht Club regatta. It was like a race where they raced the Ventura, which is the Kennedy yacht that we actually saw. Or the sailboat that we saw at uh, the library. It's on display at the library in the summer. So we actually got to see it. It's always in the Kennedy family. He was racing that exact yacht. And uh, that made them decide, hey, we're going to throw a party, basically, in this cabin called the lawrence cottage it was very secluded and they were trying to throw a party to celebrate or make a reunion of the boiler room girls which were a group of girls that helped in um, robert kennedy's campaign the year before Mm
1: -hmm.
2: for president so um which this is the first time he he, it was like a big deal that they were getting to go back and even compete in this because they had missed it the year before because of the assassination stuff so they were just amped up ready to go Um, So the ones that they invited to the party were six of the Boiler Room girls made it. And then there was a group of men that they had raced with, basically. And the race was to take place the Friday and the Saturday, which was July 18th and 19th. Okay. So they get off the boat from the race on the 18th. He lost. I think he came in like ninth or something. And they meet at the cabin at around 8.30. They start to party hard. Lots of drinks, lots of fun, all the things. And um, one of the people in attendance, one of the boiler room girls, was Mary Jo Kopechny,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which I had to look up the pronunciation of that. I actually wrote down like how they write pronunciation wow. so I didn't mess it up. So she was there. And um, they decided, apparently... Okay, th- so this is what Ted Kennedy said. After hours of partying he said that she came up to him and asked for a ride back to the ferry to go back to her hotel. Okay? Okay. So, there's no... Ted Kennedy was not wearing a watch this whole night. I need you to remember that. That is very important. Okay. Okay? Mental note. So, they told no one that they were leaving the cottage. They just kind of slipped out. But we know for a fact that it was around 11.15 because he asked his driver what time it was. And his driver's name was... I can't remember the first name, but it was Crimmins was his last name. So, and Ted asked for the keys as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So he didn't normally drive himself. So that was un- unusual. Mary Jo left her purse and her hotel key at the co- the cottage, which you just don't do if you're going back to your hotel. Yeah. So that's weird. They get in the car. Um, there's various accounts of what happened. Ted Kennedy says that what happened was he was on his way back to the ferry, took a wrong turn, um, Then hit his brakes too hard, slammed off the dock, boom, car in the water, upside down. That's how it was found. But the sheriff, deputy sheriff, Huck Look was his name. It was like Christopher Huck Look. But he went by Huck. He claims to have seen them around... Okay, this is one of the times I'm going to have to reference my notes. He claims to have seen them after midnight at 1240 a.m. Um, Because he saw two people driving, same car, and the guy looked really lost, like, zoomed past him at one point, um, backed up, turned around, pulled out, and, like, tried to get away from him when he was asking them if they needed help. Uh So that would leave, if his testimony's, like, right, that would leave an hour of time that Ted Kennedy acts like never existed.
3: It's a lot of time.
2: It's a lot of time. So, nevertheless, car crashes. Ted Kennedy says... I mean, he's the only one that was there, supposedly, but I'll hit on that later. No. He is the, um, he says that he dove in seven or eight times and tried to get her out. He was able to get out pretty easily, um, called her name over and over, couldn't get her, so then he goes to the bank and lays there for, like, 15 minutes, and I mean the bank of water, not, like... A bank. <laughs> Probably. Somebody won't get that wrong. Yeah. So, um, goes and lays there for like 15 minutes in shock. Is what he says. And then he decides to get up in his wet clothes and starts to walk back to the cottage. Okay. Okay. So he gets up in his wet clothes and decides to walk back to the cottage. Okay. He claims that he never saw a single light, never saw anything in the walk back. Okay. No houses, no nothing. Well, Someone later gave testimony, uh, the homeowner of what was actually called the Dyke House, which the bridge he ran off of was called the Dyke bridge off Dyke Road.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So lots of that. Um, the homeowner's name was Sylvia Malm, and she lived there, and she had a phone and said that she had left the lights on when she went to bed. There was no doubt that he would have seen her house
3: mm-hmm.
2: passing it. So that's a little interesting tidbit. So Teddy gets back. He jumps in the back of a rented car that they have out front out front of the house. Um, calls for uh, Gargan and Gargan's friend, Paul Markham, to come with him. Tells them about the accident. They go back to where it was. Um, Gargan and Markham jump in. Try to get... I don't know if it's Markham or Markham. I'm going to say Markham. That's easier to say. Markham. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... They jump back in, try to get her. Obviously, doesn't work. They get out. They all go back to this payphone that is by the ferry, and they basically argue for a while about if they should call the police or not. So they both thought that, yeah, you should definitely call the police. Ted was kind of not wanting to because he obviously didn't know how to handle it, whatever. He then jumps in the water, swims 500 feet to go back to his hotel, and um, undresses, collapses on the bed. At 2.30, he gets back up. And goes downstairs at the hotel or wherever. Finds somebody and asks them what time it is. Remember, he wasn't wearing a watch. Mm -hmm. So, he finds out it's 2.30. I guess he goes back to bed. um, Because I don't have notes about that. I assume he goes back to his room. Um, Then Gargan and Markham went back and told everybody that Ted had swam back to his hotel. And that Mary Jo probably went to the hotel to go to sleep. That was the story they told everybody. So then, the next account we have is at 7.30 a.m. Ted uh, was casual and collected when he asked or when he talked to the winner of the previous day's race. I guess they'd bumped into each other, literally acted like nothing in the world had happened whatsoever. So that was kind of weird. And then at eight eight o'clock, the three men met back up, uh, Gargan, Markham and Ted. Uh, About that time, people are fishing and they see the car. Okay, Um, so they call the police at about 820. At 8.45, John Ferrer, who was the captain of fire and rescue, um, dove down and found Mary Jo's body and uh, pulled it out. The medical examiner that was working that day was actually an assistant. And because the other one was out of town or whatever, looked at her and immediately said, well, it's obviously drowning. Um, Ferrer never agreed with that. He always thought that it was obvious suffocation because the way her body was positioned. She was also in the back seat. Let's remember that too. Mm-hmm. The way her body positioned, it looked like she was she had her neck up. Um, there was obviously an air bubble or something. Uh that he had pulled her out of or something. I can't remember exactly what it said about that. But also her body it was completely contorted to almost be in that looking to get air. And also they found a wet spot on the se- on the uh, top of the trunk. Like on the back. Gotcha. Or a, a, not a wet spot, a dry spot. So it showed that it was not completely submerged so that could have been air.
3: Like this, she had been inside the car for a period of time in an air bubble just breathing that air and then the oxygen yeah. was gone. Yeah. And so she what happened with suffocation? hmm
2: Wow. So that's the most, I think that's definitely the most probable cause of death, but there was never an autopsy. They literally sent the body back immediately, signed the death certificate that it was accidental drowning. And um, she also had a, 0.09 percent blood alcohol level which for her she was five two really tiny um that meant that she had had like four to five drinks within the hour before she died too mm-hmm. so she was super drunk which we can allude to that ted was obviously pretty drunk too yeah so um all that happens uh ted in the meantime goes back to the payphone that he was at the, t- the night before or the morning b- same morning i guess um and debated everything starts making calls not to the police but to lawyers and friends to try to figure out what to do. Mm. Still has not told the authorities. Someone tells him that uh, the police have found out and that it's been found. And then he goes back to the police station around 945-ish, admits that he was the driver, um, and basically that was it. Goes back to Hyannisport. Okay? So, and he says that he was in shock, too. That's why he left. Mm -hmm. Because he couldn't find her. He didn't know what to do. He was in shock. Uh, and that's why he also had not gone to the police cause he was in shock all night. That's what he says. So he gets back to the compound. There are some really notable names for Kennedy lovers waiting at the compound for him to help him get out of this mess if possible. And those names were, there's a lot, but, um, Steven Smith was there, which was Jean Kennedy Smith's husband. Um, so Ted's brother-in-law, um, he was considered the master fixer of the Kennedy problems. He could always find a way to get them out of things. So he was there. Um, Robert McNamara was there, Ted Sorensen, Lynn Billings, who was JFK's best friend, um, et cetera. There was just a lot of those kinds of notable figures yeah. within the family there. Smith said that he could not run in 1972 presidential election, which was what he was, uh, going to do. That was what Ted was mm-hmm had next to do he said he couldn't run there's no way and the only thing that they had to focus on was trying to get ted off without manslaughter so that everything was basically gone for teddy except for just trying to keep him out of prison for killing someone um so then we get to the funeral the funeral was on july 22nd in plymouth uh pennsylvania Uh, Ted shows up with a really stupid looking neck brace, uh, for publicity reasons. And Joan came with him. Joan was currently on bed rest because she had had two miscarriages and she was pregnant. Um, she came out of bed rest for, to go to the funeral with Ted to stand by his side for publicity reasons. Again, um, she ended up later losing the baby really soon after the Chappaquiddick incident. And she blames the incident on losing it, like the stress of this. So, which I could say, yes, that's highly probable. I'm sure that was horrible on her. All of the things that... We're coming out about Teddy. So they go to the funeral. Um, he has his first hearing on in Massachusetts on July 25th. Uh, basically, his lawyers somehow painted him to have this like seamless driving record. Like this perfect record on all accounts. Um, when in reality, he actually had a horrible driving record with lots of reckless driving. And uh, I think he even had a DUI. Don't quote me on that. But lots of issues. So... Um, Somehow the judge believed his lawyer that he was uh, perfect and didn't have any issues.
3: Believed him. Air quotes.
2: The lawyer? Or um, you mean the judge? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Probably bought him off. Um, So he denied everything except for, obviously, that he was the driver and left the scene. So he was found guilty of negligence. Um, He got a suspended license for like six months. (laughs) And um, he... Ended up getting a two-month jail sentence, which was suspended, and he got a year of parole, which was also
3: suspended. Sounds about right.
2: Yeah, so he got off unscathed. Um, they made, in the case, they made the argument that um, punishment was going to be enough for him publicly, like in the news and everything, that he shouldn't actually have real punishment. So, whatever. Uh, um he did pay uh, the Kopechnies $90,904 of personal money, and insurance paid them $50,000. But they never went forward and pressed any charges against him because they didn't want people to think that they wanted blood money. So that's all that they ever got out of it and never went further with it. There was a grand jury investigation in 1970 that led to nothing. It was just some interviews and case closed. It was yeah. literally nothing. Um, he was, though, he did a pl- on July 25th, which was the same day as his first hearing, he did an address to the nation um, where he basically told exactly what happened in his own words. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 12 minute thing. And he even says in it something about how he doesn't know if it's the Kennedy curse coming on, which I can't believe he even acknowledged the yeah. that. I mean, um, basically tries to just look really sorry slash innocent. And, um, says, basically asked the public if he should resign or not from being a senator. They say no, overwhelming. He didn't, he didn't really get a lot of good publicity from that necessarily. He, uh, really got some backlash over being just stupid and not honest and stuff, but people still wanted him to be senator and he was reelected in 1970, uh, as the Massachusetts senator with 60% of the votes, which was down from 74%, uh, the, from the, uh, previous election, but still, I mean, he still got in, which is crazy to yeah. me. Um, he didn't run in 72 for president, obviously, or in, uh, I guess it would have been 76. Was there a 76? I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It would have to be. It's every four years. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, he decided that he was going to run for, I guess it would have been the 1980 election, which he started campaigning in 1979. What really was his downfall, though, which I'm going to insert this right here.
1: Kennedy can be dominating, imposing, and masterful. But off the stump in personal interviews, he can become stilted, elliptical, and at times appear as if he really doesn't want America to get to know him. Why do you want to be president? Well, I'm... uh, Were I to... To make the, uh, the announcement and uh, to run, the reasons that I would run is because I have a great belief in this country that it is as more natural resources than any nation of the world, as the greatest educated population in the world, the greatest technology of any country in the world, uh, the greatest capacity for innovation in the world, and the greatest political system in the world. And yet, uh, I see at uh, the current time, that uh, most of the industrial nations of the world are exceeding us in terms of productivity, are doing better than us in terms of meeting the problems of inflation, that they're dealing with their problems of energy and their problems of unemployment. And it just seems to me that uh, this nation can cope and deal with its problems in a way that it has in the past. We're facing complex issues and problems in this nation at this time. But we have faced similar challenges at other times. And the energies and the resourcefulness of this nation, I think, should be focused on these problems in a way that brings a sense of uh, restoration uh, in this country by its people in dealing with the problems that we face primarily the issues on the economy, the problems of inflation, and the problems of um, uh, energy. And uh, I would uh, basically uh, feel that uh, that it's imperative for this country to either move forward, that it can't stand still, or otherwise it moves backward.
2: So really, for, as you can see by what you just heard, his downfall was from this interview um, for CBS on November 4th, 1979, where he was asked, why do you want to be president? And you just heard him fumble over his words like a crazy person. I mean, wow. it's so bad. It's like he lost everything, but he was really broken down in the interview first by um, the guy that was interviewing him because he started asking about Chappaquiddick and really like kind of almost accused him of being a liar before asking why he wanted to be president. So he was in a bad headspace at mm-hmm. that question. But literally the answer to that question is why he... Lost. I mean, everybody was just done with him at that point. So, um, he didn't even get the nomination and, um, he lost to Carter who then lost to Reagan. So, um, he was a Massachusetts state Senator until his death in 2009 though. So he kept, kept it up for years and years. Um, and yeah, that's the whole story, but I have a lot to go back into. Oh, okay. So I, am sorry. That was a lot. What do you think from it at first? Like what's your first initial thought about Chappaquiddick? Now that you know, just the facts on the table.
3: Oh, I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of... I just don't understand how you couldn't... Like, the one guy went down there and found her. Right. How could you not go get her? Like, especially if you got out, how could you not...
2: How could you not call the freaking police?
3: Uh, that too. Like, that would look so
2: much better. There was a phone right there. Like, and the yeah. dude walked back to the cottage. Like, it. it's crazy. Did I mention the purse?
3: purse. I might have... That they left the purse at the cabin?
2: Yeah, but no. There's more. Okay. Oh. So I'm going to get into this little section, too. Okay. So I'll just get into it all together. I meant to talk about the purse during the initial story, but I didn't. So um, Mary Joe was actually not identified properly at first because there was the purse of another one of the boiler room girls in the passenger side of the car, and her name was Rosemary Keogh. Um, So they identified her as Rosemary, who obviously she was not. Mm-hmm. And the thought comes to mind, immediately my thought about it was, okay, why would Rosemary's purse have been there and not Mary Jo's? And I thought, okay, Mary Jo's drunk. Maybe she grabbed Keo's on accident. Yeah. Which would still be weird, though, because you don't just grab somebody else's purse. Like, you know your purse, you know? So, I kind of got really confused about this when I was initially reading it. And then I was like, I need to do some more research into what's up with this Rosemary girl. So, I did. Um, This is where I'm going to have to go to notes a little bit. So, Rosemary says that she was riding the car earlier in the day and left a purse in there. Which, uh, a close-by neighbor said that's definitely not true because he watched, he or she or whoever, kind of watched on the party because it was right next door and it was crazy. Uh um, Basically the whole day and night and said the girl never got in the car. No one was in the car until Mary Jo and Teddy. So, and then after the purse was discovered, Rosemary called the police station and said... I want to get my purse, and they said, "Okay, come get it." She sends someone else and then rushes off to hire or or off to um, uh, where'd she go? I can't remember. Oh, Martha's Vineyard uh, immediately. So just rushes off really quickly. I had to look at my notes. That's why I paused there. So with this, I found it odd, and I started looking into some theories as to why. Everything was kind of so jumbled and weird there. Um, there was one theory that said that Rosemary, they think Rosemary got in the car with Teddy. And as drunk as uh, Mary Jo was, they think she was in the back of sleep because she was found in the back of the car. Um, they think that they may have gone swimming or whatever. And the car flips. Rosemary gets out Ted gets out and never knew that Mary Jo was in the back to begin with.
3: Interesting theory.
2: I think that's interesting because Mary Jo had no lacerations, no cuts, no nothing from the glass impact that would have been all over her if she had been in the right passenger side of the car. So, and Rosemary never showed her face and ran off real quick. She mm-hmm. sent somebody else to get her purse. So, Literally if you think about it, if you have the impact of the glass coming in and you're in the front, she would have been cut all up. I mean, everything. Which we know we've been in a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> like you you don't get out of the front seat not just looking normal. So she was not. It was almost looked as though she was already in the back seat to begin with. Which is just weird. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. On top of that, Rosemary also said a year after, on the one year anniversary, of um, Mary Jo's death, they went to the grave, and she is quoted to say exactly this. My friend Mary Jo just happened to be in the wrong car at the wrong time with the wrong people.
3: Ooh, people.
2: And she said the exact same thing, using the plural, people, um, five years later to the Boston Globe spotlight team. Wow. Weird, right? Very. Like why would Mary Joe not have had any cuts? That 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 blew my mind when I read that. Yeah, and then that this makes girl sense. doesn't even show her freaking face. She just runs off.
3: She's passed out drunk in the back. The mm-hmm. car goes underwater. All of a sudden, she wakes up underwater, can't breathe. Comes up, and she's just frantically freaking out in an air bubble. Oxygen's gone. She's it's
2: true, but then it's like
3: they don't know she's under there, so they're not diving in to help her.
2: That's the thing too. Everyone's like, well, that's maybe why Ted never said anything in those hours. And then, after it came out, they took Rosemary out of it. Do you see what I'm saying? like yeah. he he didn't rush to the police in all that time. He obviously was just like in shock. So some people say that's because he and Rosemary got out and maybe tried to cover that stuff up in and of itself because that wouldn't look good on him anyway, being a married senator to be in the car in a car crash with a girl. yeah, so it's a thought Ooh. right. Right? So I tend to believe that a little bit. Like, I, I don't normally latch on to conspiracy theories so hard. But.
3: That's a good one.
2: It's a good one. I mean, her purse was there. I don't know. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. So that's really the story of Chappaquiddick. I want to talk to you a little more about whatever you think that really stands out in it. And, like, do you think that his reputation, even though obviously he continued to be a senator and stuff. Do you think that that would have permanently damaged his reputation and taken away his chances of being president if he hadn't have messed up that interview so bad? Like, what do you think?
3: Hmm. I don't know. Like it's, it was definitely looks really bad. No matter what story came out about it, as far as her dying in the car, I think it, it definitely would have put a stain on his chances.
2: I think so. But at the same time, if he was eloquent and kind of got himself together and really ended up and made himself look really good, I I think he probably could have gotten out of it. I really do. I think that he could have. Those
3: Kennedys seem to get out of a lot.
2: Tell me about it. But I really think that if he would have handled that interview better and all the ones, I don't know. I, I just could see it. I mean, how, how would he be reelected as senator so easily over and over and over?
3: Yeah, that's true. He was senator till he died, like exactly right? 2009. Yeah,
2: that's interesting. Another thing, I, I'll go back to the moon landing too. So they land on the moon on um, July 20th, 1969. Well, obviously, all of this is going on in the news because um, it happened, like I said, it was on. Technically the 19th, because it wouldn't have been after midnight. Um, so the guys are in space. They have no idea that anything's happened. They come down to Earth, and all of a sudden, media is going crazy yeah. over what happened to Ted Kennedy. So um, I've even heard that some of the moon landing stuff right after the initial like landing kind of got moon- or overshadowed because sure. Ted Kennedy was in the news. It's just crazy that two of the Kennedys at the exact same time were in the news for very different things. Which was uh, President Kennedy's call for men to go to the moon. And then Ted yep. being an idiot. <laughs> so, What a tale. It's a tale. It sure is. I had learned a lot. I I obviously knew. I knew very surface. Car crash. Murray Joe's dead. He doesn't go to the police. Gets out of it. That's kind of all I, I knew. But there's so much more detail behind it. I want to
3: than... see the movie with the conspiracy theory. That's the one I want to see. I like, we Watch that one. I don't think you there's know, a movie with it. I'm saying that I want to see one.
2: Yeah. uh, Like we
3: watched the latest movie with uh, Jason Clark. Yeah. We saw that one. I want to see that, but I want to see the story folded in of...
2: Yeah, I, I did hear name? that there was a documentary somewhere. We'll have to hunt it down that uh, highlights on that and Rosemary. And that one that you pulled up the other day, Jeffrey had pulled up like a YouTube video for me to watch. It was so boring and I turned it off. It was made in like ni- 94 or something. And Rosemary was in it. I remember oh. her name popping up and I didn't at the time know that that would be an interesting name to pop up, but it did. Um, so I want to go back and see what that was too, now that I know this kind of stuff. But I think Rosemary, Rosemary was in on it. That's I mean, Sis went back quick to the vineyard yeah got away quick didn't show her face you would think you'd go to why would you not go get your own purse why would you send someone to get it for you why would she not have a cut on her body and be in the back of the car unless she just crawled back there but Mm. still you would be cut up oh yeah there's no doubt i don't know then again ted wasn't really cut up You know, he wasn't really cut all pieces, but the, the report that I read of the way that the glass was and window and everything and the way her head would have knocked and everything, um, especially being unbuckled would have obviously made an impact on her. I don't know. I'm sitting here just thinking out loud. People are probably getting bored now. Anyway, that's Chappaquiddick. I, my friends, am going to go live on Saturday, which is the anniversary of Chappaquiddick. Um, July eighteenth, and I would love for you to join me and talk about this because I want to know you guys' conspiracy theories, um, all the things that you have to think. And I'm gonna even pop up some pictures of different like locations of where the house is versus the bridge versus the cottage and all kinds of stuff. And us just have a really uh, deep conversation about it. I loved going live this week. It was so much fun to get to talk to everybody, um, all these people that I've kind of messaged back and forth, but have. Without me being able to see them, which I, I wish I, I wish it was a two-way thing where I could see your face. But um, it was kind of cool to have like almost an open conversation with people that I've seen engage on my profile. So Instagram Live, July 18th. I will post about it, of course. Um, it's going to be all Chappaquiddick-based. Uh, I think that's all I have. Um, oh, no. I, that's not all I have. I have one more thing. Please, 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 please rate and uh, review. I almost said subscribe, but you're probably already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed, rate and review my podcast, please. Everybody. This helps me so, so much. Well, only review it and rate it if you like it, (laughs) like five star, (laughs) great review please, because, um, it really helps me. It actually helps me chart and I want to chart better. I'm charting in other countries besides America, which is pretty cool. Was it
3: like Ireland or something? Yeah,
2: I think it was Ireland. Yeah. Which is super awesome. Thank you everyone in Ireland listening. Um, But I would love, love, love for you guys to do that for me. It would help me more than you even know, um, to possibly get charting and, uh, that'd just be exciting to get some, some more reviews and comments and everything. I love to read those. Um, if you're not following my Instagram at Kennedy, K E N N E D Y D Y N A S T Y at Kennedy Dynasty, um, lots of cool pictures and I'm trying to engage you guys more. We have discussions and answer questions and all kinds of things. So, uh, go follow me there. One more plug. So sorry. Um, the, I have a shop, shirt shop. Yes. Well, it's shirt and like, there's other little like coffee mugs and stuff. Go check it out. It's, I think shop.kennedydynasty. No, what is it?
3: You can just go to kennedydynasty.com. Yeah, it's, it's on
2: Spreadshirt. It's kennedydynasty.spreadshirt.com. Something like that. I don't know. Go to um, kennedydynasty.com. It's there. The link is there. And it's also in my bio on Instagram. Y'all cool stuff. Go get, go get some stuff for this quarantine. Some good cozy sweatshirts, all Ooh, yeah. the things. And, um, that would really help me too. And I think that's all I've got. Thank you, Jeff, for joining me. It
3: was a treat. I'm sorry that I, I barely so let you talk. Much. Huh? I learned so much. I thought you
2: said I love you so much. I was like, I love I you I also too. love you so much. <laughs> love you too. Um, I'm sorry I barely let you get a word in, but I appreciate you joining me.
3: That's okay. I, that was great. Thank oh, you.
2: also, after this, I'm going to insert um, Ted Kennedy's speech that he gave on July 25th, the Address to the Nation, so you guys can listen to that too if you want to. If not, then uh, don't. Uh, I will talk to you guys next time.
0: My fellow citizens, I have requested this opportunity to talk to the people of Massachusetts about the tragedy which happened last Friday evening. This morning, I entered a plea of guilty to the charge of leaving the scene of an accident. Prior to my appearance in court, it would have been proper for me to comment on these matters. But tonight I am free to tell you what happened and to say what it means to me. On the weekend of July 18th, I was on Martha's Vineyard Island participating with my nephew, Joe Kennedy. As for 30 years, my family has participated in the annual Edgar Town Sailing Regatta. Only reasons of health prevented my wife from accompanying me. On Chappaquiddick Island, off Martha's Vineyard, I attended on Friday evening, July 18th, a cookout. I had encouraged and helped for a devoted group of Kennedy campaign secretaries. When I left the party around 11.15 p.m., I was accompanied by one of these girls, Miss Mary Jo Kopechny. Mary Jo was one of the most devoted members of the staff of Senator Robert Kennedy. She worked for him for four years and was broken up over his death. For this reason and because she was such a gentle kind, an idealistic person, all of us tried to help her feel that she still had a home with the Kennedy family. There is no truth, no truth whatever, to the widely circulated suspicions of immoral conduct that have been leveled at my behavior and hers regarding that evening. There has never been a private relationship between us of any kind. I know of nothing in Mary Jo's conduct on that or any other occasion. And the same is true of the other girls at that party that would lend any substance to such ugly speculation about their character. Nor was I driving under the influence of liquor. Little over one mile away, the car that I was driving on an unlit road went off a narrow bridge which had no guardrails and was built on a left angle to the road car overturned in a deep pond and immediately filled with water. I remember thinking as the cold water rushed in around my head that I was for certain drowning. Then water entered my lungs and I actually felt the sensation of drowning. But somehow I struggled to the surface alive. I made immediate and repeated efforts to save Mary Jo by diving Into the strong and murky current that succeeded only in increasing my state of utter exhaustion and alarm. My conduct and conversations during the next several hours, to the extent that I can remember them, make no sense to me at all. Although my doctors informed me that I suffered a cerebral concussion as well as shock, I do not seek to escape responsibility for my actions by placing the blame either on the physical and emotional trauma brought on by the accident or on anyone else. I regard as indefensible the fact that I did not report the accident to the police immediately. Instead of looking directly for a telephone after lying exhausted in the grass for an undetermined time, I walked back to the cottage where the party was being held and requested the help of two friends, my cousin Joseph Gargan and Paul Markham, and directed them to return immediately to the scene with me. This was sometime after midnight. In order to undertake a new effort to dive down and locate Miss Kopechny. Their strenuous efforts undertaken at some risk to their own lives also proved futile. All kinds of scrambled thoughts, all of them confused, some of them irrational, many of them which I cannot recall and some of which I would not have seriously entertained under normal circumstances went through my mind during this period. They were reflected in the various inexplicable, inconsistent and inconclusive things I said and did, including such questions as whether the girl might still be alive somewhere out of that immediate area, whether some awful curse did actually hang over all the Kennedys, whether there was some justifiable reason for me to doubt what had happened and to delay my report whether somehow the awful weight of this incredible incident might in some way pass from my shoulders. I was overcome, I'm frank to say, by a jumble of emotions, grief, fear, doubt, exhaustion, panic, confusion, and shock. Instructing Gargan and Markham not to alarm Mary Jo's friends that night I had them take me to the ferry crossing. The ferry having shut down for the night, I suddenly jumped into the water and impulsively swam across, nearly drowning once again in the effort, and returned to my hotel about 2 a.m. and collapsed in my room. I remember going out at one point and saying something to the room clerk. In the morning, with my mind somewhat more lucid, I made an effort to call a family legal advisor, Burke Marshall, from a public telephone on the Chappaquiddick side of the ferry, and then belatedly reported the accident to the Martha Vineyard Police. Today, as I mentioned, I felt morally obligated to plead guilty to the charge of leaving the scene of an accident No words on my part can possibly express the terrible pain and suffering I feel over this tragic incident. This last week has been an agonizing one for me and for the members of my family and the grief we feel over the loss of a wonderful friend will remain with us the rest of our lives. These events, the publicity, innuendo, and whispers which have surrounded them, and my admission of guilt this morning, raises the question in my mind of whether my standing among the people of my state has been so impaired that I should resign my seat in the United States Senate. If at any time the citizens of Massachusetts should lack confidence in their senator's character or his ability, with or without justification, he could not, in my opinion, adequately perform his duties and should not continue in office. The people of this state, the state which sent John Quincy Adams and Daniel Webster and Charles Sumner and Henry Cabot Lodge and John Kennedy to the United States Senate are entitled to representation in that body by men who inspire their utmost confidence. For this reason, I would understand full well why some might think it right for me to resign. For me, this will be a difficult decision to make. It has been seven years since my first election to the Senate You and I share many memories. Some of them have been glorious. Some have been very sad. The opportunity to work with you and serve Massachusetts has made my life worthwhile. And so I ask you tonight, the people of Massachusetts, to think this through with me In facing this decision, I seek your advice and opinion. In making it, I seek your prayers. For this is a decision that I will have finally to make on my own. It has been written, a man does what he must in spite of personal consequences. In spite of obstacles and dangers and pressures, and that is the basis of all human morality, whatever may be the sacrifices he faces if he follows his conscience, the loss of his friends, his fortune, his contentment, even the esteem of his fellow man, each man, must decide for himself the course he will follow. The stories of the past courage cannot supply courage itself. For this, each man must look into his own soul. I pray that I can have the courage to make the right decision. Whatever is decided Whatever the future holds for me, I hope that I shall have, be able to put this most recent tragedy behind me and make some further contribution to our state, mankind, whether it be in public or private life. Thank you. And good
1: night. Someone and vote for Kennedy.